0: All right, that music means it's time for the Miami Sports Pod. Will mantle and Clay Ferrero, what was a very busy weekend, weekend in South Florida sports. And Clay, we're going to concentrate on the two topics that I think everyone was expecting to discuss, but maybe in different ways, and that was the heat-free agency, which we'll get into in a moment, and which I know you and I have discussed plenty off the air, so we'll certainly have a lot to say now on the pod. But the decision for Brian Flores to bench Tua Tagovailoa. To put in Ryan Fitzpatrick in a ten-point game in the fourth quarter. Let's just start there because I think anybody listening who's a Dolphin fan is still, even as they listen, as they you know they've had some time to kind of think about what happened in the game, are going back and forth on whether it was the right call. Wasn't an injury situation. That's what Brian Flores says. It was not an injury situation, and Tua is still his starting quarterback. So do you agree with what Brian Flores did?
1: If we're going to take it all at face value, that the injury was not an issue. And he did get hurt. Now, there's a big difference between hurt and injured. Mm -hmm. If he was not injured, then no, I don't agree with it. I thought it was a, a bad move. And, you know, we saw last year that Flores had no problem going back and forth between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the reasoning always was. I'm going to play the player that gives me the best chance. This to win. is
0: different though, isn't it?
1: It's different when you know that this guy is your future. You didn't know that Josh Rosen was your future. You, after a certain amount of time, in fact, you knew that that guy was not your future. Yeah. So it was easier to go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I understand that. But, but well, I think the thing that really got me was, were there times when Tua held the ball a little bit too long, as mm-hmm. he said, in the post-game news conference? Absolutely. And, and you can see that when you watch the game back. But he was also presented with a lot of really bad options because that offensive line played so times. poorly. Could have been sacked ten times. And, and well, I think the thing that White bothered me was what's the one thing that they tell you to do as a quarterback? Don't turn it over. Don't make the big mistake. And so, Tua had a bunch of really bad options when he had Denver Broncos charging in his mm-hmm. face right as he gets the snap. And, and he took the best of a bunch of bad options, which is take a sack, live to play another down, or live to punt.
0: Yeah, and even in the last drive that he got, remember he had that long run that seemed like it was getting them in field goal range, and then it was an Austin Jackson holding call that brought him back. The offensive line was just terrible on Sunday. Terrible. They were, and look, the emotion of the moment, I go back to Sunday right after it happened. I still, even now as we do the pod and as you listen, uh, I still think Brian Flores made the right, the wrong call. But I will say this, though. I have changed a bit in how I feel because initially I bought Flores's. He's not injured. It was the best chance to win the game. But I I now think, and this is not at all from any kind of information that we have or anything that any player or Flores himself said, I now think, though, that the beating that Tua was taking and the six sacks and, and the amount of pressure that he had from the moment that that game started I think part of it weighed on Flores, especially since the last hit he took seemed to turn that leg over, that foot-ankle area. Remember, he was on the injury report with a foot injury. So I don't think that it's a significant injury. I don't think it's something that he couldn't have played. Uh, but I do think that you combine it all, and, and I think Brian Flores kind of said, you know what, let me get the kid out of there and make sure he doesn't get hurt. Let me get the kid out of there knowing that his confidence is going to be there. He's still my starting quarterback. It's just a bad day overall. Let's see if if... Uh, Fitz can give me a spark, and if not, it's okay, it's a learning experience. It's not the way I would have handled it. It's not the way I think you should handle it, but if there's a combination there with the beating that he took, then I'm fine with it. If it's just strictly I wanted a spark, then I don't agree with it. And
1: see, that's why I prefaced my comments with, if we're taking this at face value, which was Brian Flores saying we thought that Fitz gave us the best chance to win the football game. Let's go the other direction and and let's say that it was because of all the reasons you said that you know, look he was taking a beating and and you know as a quarterback a lot of times when your eyes start to go down a little bit you don't start to see the things down the field then it's hard to get them back up. What did we see earlier on in the day just a couple of hours before Tua took the field. Joe Burrow out for the year. So I think when things start going badly. And you, you have a quarterback out there who has an injury history. And we're not just talking about the hip. We're talking about ankles. He we're took some hits. About- he, took, he took some real hits on Sunday. And, and he's a guy who he's a competitor. He's going to hold on to the football and try to make plays down the field. And, and, by the way, I think that was one of the things that concerned some teams about him, that he was almost too tough, that sometimes you know, they, they say, well, discretion is the better part of valor. And, and I think there was a little part of that that if indeed what you're saying is true, You're trying to save Tua from himself on a day when the offensive line was horrific. So, to the original point, if we're taking it at face Mm -hmm. value, you took him out of the game because of performance and because you thought Fitz gave you the better chance to win, I don't agree with that. But if you're telling me that because the offensive line was playing so poorly and they had no clue how to slow down what Denver was doing and you were doing that to protect Tua, Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I wouldn't have necessarily done it, but I understand it a little bit. Yeah, and
0: I think I can also see, look, and again, we have no – There's no reason to believe 100% that what we're saying is true because Brian Flores said the exact opposite, and his players have gone along with the with the song of Brian Flores, which they all do. When when Brian Flores says something, his his players back him up, and that's one thing he's done very well in that locker room. They'll say the same company line, so to speak. I don't expect Brian Flores to say otherwise because let's face it, it's it's a weird thing to say like, hey, I was just protecting my young quarterback. I mean, look, he plays a violent sport; he's going to take hits. He's mm-hmm. gonna take a pounding. You got to get him through those times. Uh, to me, the the whole part of it is it's like it's like we're children. It's like you treat your children in a certain way, and that, not to compare Tua to Tagovailoa as a child to Brian Flores, but it is somebody he is mentoring and guiding as a coach. And I think you have to learn from the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep. And it was a wasted opportunity. I don't think the Dolphins win that game regardless. I don't think if you leave Tua in there, they win that game. They just didn't do enough good things. Let's not even, let's not, we haven't mentioned the defense. defense did not play well. Broncos were running the ball over the field. After a slow start to the game, they figured it out. Drew Locke hit a few shots, hit a couple guys wide open. I mean, they moved the ball well. The offensive line was terrible from the go. Receivers weren't getting much separation. As a whole, the Dolphins lost that game. And I don't think if Tua stays, they win that game either. I thought with well, Fitzpatrick, what you saw is what he is. You saw the spark. Yeah, he made a couple of plays. He also had a couple of near disastrous plays, mm-hmm. and then eventually trying to force in the end zone did have the disastrous play, the interception. You can't blame him either. I think you have to take it as a learning lesson. I think you just have to move forward and say, I hope whatever lesson was being taught is done. If you were protecting him, great. But Tua Tunga below is the starting quarterback of the present and of the future of the Dolphins. And if the Dolphins are in a position down 10 again in the fourth quarter, you have to stick with Tua.
1: And, and I'm glad that you said, you, you phrased it how you did for this reason, because I think, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday night and I guarantee you Monday, this is going to be what a lot of South Florida media talk shows are going to be talking about is the, the quarterback decision. To me, the quarterback decision moving forward is a non-issue because yeah. it is not a Absolutely. decision to the decision has already been made. So do I agree with, with taking him out? No, I don't, but, I also think that, as you said, they were going to lose the game one way or the other in all likelihood. Yeah, so get to the next game and and look, the Dolphins are, are still in very good position to make her run at the playoffs. They're, you know, they're still very close to Buffalo in the AFC East. So it doesn't do anything as far as their season goes. I would like to see a young quarterback be able to fail on the field and mm-hmm. learn of from great. it and understand. But all of that aside, that's done. The most important thing now is how do you fix all of the things around it that, that were so bad the on The offensive Sunday. line isn't good and they can't run the ball. How do you yeah. fix that? Yeah, and, and look, do? I, I, I don't have an answer. I, I'll say this. I think part of it, Kinley was clearly hurt, and, and he was yeah, not playing well yeah. when he was out there and, and probably because he was still feeling the effects. But look, this is a, a young offensive line who had played a lot better earlier in the season than what Dolphins fans were used to seeing. So it gave all of us – I think some hope that that they've done a really good job, and I still think that that you have hope moving forward. It's also a really young offensive line, and and very clearly, this was a fantastic defensive front that yeah, they faced.
0: Yeah, a good game plan by Vic Fangio. He's a defensive line. Right. That's, that's his background.
1: So, with all of that said, I don't think that that this is one that you look at and alarm bells go off. But I do think that it it kind of says, all right maybe maybe we're not there yet with the young players to where they still have some room where they need to improve yeah, in order for I you had, to, to do anything significant. I had some alarms go off for this
0: reason. The offensive line we already touched on. Here's what we haven't touched on, and it's kind of been like, it's kind of been like that thing that you don't want to mention. And fans will mention it because fans always point to coaching. I don't like to go too much to coaching right away because it's such an easy, like an easy scapegoat. Oh, well, the coach stinks, so the coach isn't calling a good game. But I will say this. It's been on my mind a few weeks now, and it really on Sunday kind of came to the forefront, is that Chan Gailey, I don't think, is using the skill set of Tua and it, the struggles and- of the offensive line and the limitations that they have well enough
1: and, and not to interrupt you uh, but i am uh <laughs> my 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 comments were, were strictly on the offensive line i i completely agree with you on the play calling so yeah. so go ahead and No, and I, and, I just,
0: and I think look it, again it's a cheap way to go at things because it's so easy when a team doesn't play well to say it's coaching right And when they do play well, you don't usually tend to say it's the coaching. And there have been times where I think Chan has called good games, especially early in the season. For some reason, Chan looks more comfortable with Ryan Fitzpatrick than he does with Tua. And maybe it's because they do have different skill sets and different ways to get to things. And they've worked together before. They have. And with Tua, though, what's been clear is he's decisive. He's very accurate, especially intermediate and in and short passes, intermediate passes, and when he moves, when he's on the roll. Too often, and Sunday's game was an example, he was treating Tua almost as a drop back passer and, you know, stay in the pocket. Here's the problem, one, you don't get offensive line protection. You don't have more than two seconds to sit in that pocket, and then you've got to start moving, and then you're spinning around and doing all the things Tua was trying to do as you're avoiding pressure. That's not Tua's strength. His strength is get the ball out quickly get a little movement roll it out throw to the right throw to the left especially the left when he's going left throwing from the left like that i mean that is what we've seen to be his strength so far in the nfl and i don't think chan is using those strengths enough in this offense and will they see that on film and say "Hey, we got to work more but for some it wasn't a, a, a coincidence to me that fitzpatrick looked more comfortable with what chan was calling right, right. than tua did because i don't think he's playing the offense and, and preparing the offense to
1: Tua's strengths enough. And I, I think, I, I wonder if a part of that is, you know, that defensive coordinators and defensive coaches, you know, Fangio, of course, no longer defensive coordinator is the head man there in Denver, mm-hmm. but they now have film yep. on Tua. That's absolutely true. That absolutely fair. And so was this a case where, you know, you design a game plan based on what Tua had done well to this point? Mm-hmm. And so Fangio throws you some wrinkles and Fangio is known as a phenomenal defensive mind. And Chan Gailey didn't have an answer for that. Tua didn't have an answer for that. And, again, we're just sitting here speculating because we haven't said – first off, neither one of us are qualified. Well, you might be. I'm not. No, um, we're, to look we're, at the all 22 and kind of diagnose. No, yeah, you,
0: Even if we did, we don't see the intricacies of the things that offensive coaches, defensive right. coaches see. And that's why I always – that's why I hate ripping coaching because I'm not a coach. Because we don't know. Yeah, I've never been in, in a film room and study. I'm not at those practices. Even if I was, I'm not going to see the same things that coaches see. But I think there's some things that are basic football. And I think we could look at Tua and even as we're not coaches with a background, we see where Tua's strengths are. And I think that they need to use those strengths a little bit better.
1: And I will add one more thing that hasn't jumped out yet but it did as this game went on, mm-hmm. and the numbers have backed this up as being a problem. But they haven't turned into big problems all year because you know Flores has done a phenomenal job against uh, teams passing the ball. Mm-hmm. The rush defense is still a bit of an issue.
0: Oh, they, I mean, they it, took advantage of that. And Look, Pat Shermer is a former Giant as a, a former coach, and as a Giant fan that I am, uh, terrible head coach. He's very good, called a very good offensive He did. Game he did a, a,
1: against a team that man, and you saw it. I think it was, I think it was the first drive mm-hmm. where. You know, Brian Flores throws that amoeba look at it Drew Locke. And, and not just poor Locke, lost. the, the lost. offensive lineman yeah. looked up and was like, oh, what is that that's coming to eat my head and yeah. and false start? And so when you get them in obvious passing situations, Brian Flores is going to attack you mm-hmm. and, and the defense is going to get to you. But, man, if I'm another team and I'm looking at this this film today, I'm thinking, okay, what did Denver do? That I can do to make sure that I don't get in those obvious passing downs Man. and and Flores can't put eight guys at the line of scrimmage that are bouncing back and forth trying to take my head off I guess to finish a
0: thought on this is look there really isn't much more to say on Tua because there is no controversy Brian right. right. Fitzpatrick said it Tua knows it's his job and, and more importantly Brian Flores said it it's it's Tua talking below as the quarterback there's no there's no change coming. It was just a feeling that he had. I hope it's a feeling that he leaves alone because I think in this final stretch, the Dolphins are going to be in playoff contention regardless. Whether they make it or not, they're going to be in that that possibility of making it with some games where they're going to be close and some big moments. Some are going to be where two is playing great. Some are not playing so great. I think you got to give the kid a chance. When you turn and he handed the keys over to him, that's what you had. And now you roll with it. I hope they roll with it forward. There is no controversy. He's the quarterback of the present. He's the quarterback of the future. He's going to make mistakes. He needs to learn. And I think big picture too, Clay, I think we have to hit the brakes. a little bit on the Dolphins. We all got caught up in it because they're fun to watch. They're definitely on the rise. But they're definitely also a work in progress. And that's okay.
1: That's okay. That's okay. And I don't think that this was supposed to be the year before the year that Mm -hmm. they make a move. And, And not even talking about a move towards the Super Bowl. Like, what they were doing this year was, I think, what you were hoping the ceiling would be for 2021. Yeah. I, I still think this is a team that ends up making the playoffs, probably as a wild card at this point, but I'm also not throwing the division out the no, window. No, I think the chances I, will be there. I, absolutely, and especially because you're playing Buffalo and last year. And, by the way,
0: of the uh, my opinion, too, is that like, has not changed one bit. I mean, no. I mean, he threw an interception on Sunday that got then changed because of a penalty, but he still has yet to throw an interception. You can see why he can be and will be, I think, a – really good NFL quarterback, potentially great NFL quarterback. So I don't think Dolphins should panic. I hope Brian Flores is not panic and the Dolphins uh, will travel to take on the Jets next weekend. All right. So in the final stretch here of this uh, pod, we turn our attention to the heat. This really could have been a all heat pod and Mm -hmm. clay. It's one of those things where, and I know you and I, we were going back and forth and texting and talking and looking up and when it was all said and done, man, Pat Riley didn't lie to us. He was as transparent as can be in what they wanted to do as an organization. And they did it, which is retain some of the guys that we can at free agency. And I think we all knew that, that Gorn was the, was the priority. They didn't, they didn't mess around. They made sure to kept Gorn. And it ended up being Myers, which I think there was were the thought if you would have said before free agency was maybe they keep Jay and not Myers. But for financial reasons with Jay, kudos to him getting the contract that he got. And, you know, $30 million went in Phoenix. Good for him. They keep Myers instead, which was essentially is a one-year deal with the option. But no big moves. Moe Harkless and Avery Bradley, I think two good veteran additions that play to the Heat style, especially on the defensive end. I can't say the Heat necessarily improved, but I definitely don't think they got worse. And on top of that, they still have the flexibility to pounce and make that big move.
1: Let me start with that part really quickly. And because I got a lot of questions about this on on social media, and I'm sure you did too, with – Why nine million dollars to Myers Leonard? Why did you give him? I don't understand that. You know, Mm -hmm. then you didn't, you don't have money for this player, for this player, for this player. You know, without getting too deep into this, the nine million dollar salary had more to do with the salary he was already making. And, and, you know, the salary cap mechanisms of that, it made sense for them to offer him that for one year. The option year is really telling to me and really important for a number of reasons. And and Goran Dragic had the same thing. But so basically what the Heat did, and this is why they could not keep Jay Crowder, they gave both Myers Leonard and Goran Dragic one year guaranteed, Mm -hmm. one year with a team option. That means at any point next offseason or before the deadline, the Heat can pick up the option and say, I want to give that guy a contract. Where this plays in, and we're recording this on Sunday night, and as of now, Bam Adebayo has not demanded the max contract extension, which if he does, Pat Riley is going to give it to him because BAM deserves it. Of course. If he does, the Heat can no longer sign Giannis Antetokounmpo or another super max free agent, another max free agent. Straight up sign when you say sign, just go ahead and sign on the dotted line with nothing else. By giving Myers Leonard and Rogic a team option, and by making that option nine plus million dollars, whatever it ends up being for Myers Leonard, you trigger that option. You can include him in a side and trade next off season to where if you know, Giannis says I wanna to come to Miami mm-hmm. and Milwaukee is strapped, you have to work out some sort of deal and, and they have no choice. You send Myers Leonard along with some assets and at least Milwaukee is getting something in return. So mm-hmm. what Pat Riley did and part of these contracts and, and why they kept Myers Leonard and why they lost Jay Crowder was because he's maintaining the flexibility. So he ran it back as best he could But he maintained the flexibility to where if they want to get Giannis next offseason and Bam Mm -hmm. for the Supermax. Or if Bradley Beal becomes available. Riley made sure to maintain flexibility all around to where whatever moves he needs to make to get an additional star here. He can still do that. I want to add one more thing to this, Will. I don't think people... I think I, I think I think people are underestimating the Avery Bradley move, and and you go back to the playoffs, and the one thing that I think, if you wanted to point out a weakness for the Heat, and I don't buy by the way that it was rebounding, I don't buy that because I felt like the Heat going small was what made them tough to defend, but they had a real hard time with point of attack defense on guards, and and really in the Indiana series, it reared its ugly head quite a bit. I mean, they, they could put Malcolm Brogdon on whoever was in the game and attack them. Uh, Avery Bradley means you can't do that anymore. So, yeah. you put an Avery Bradley out there, and my gut tells me, and this is just from talking to a few people as well, I think Dragic goes back to the bench, and I think you're gonna have a starting backcourt of probably Avery Bradley and Tyler, Tyler Herro.
0: Oh, I think, I, I think you're 100% right on that. So, we haven't talked about personal. that, but I, I agree with you. I, yeah. I think that that, I think Goran's role is best, I think we saw it last year, Goran's role is best being the the, the spark off the bench. And as Goran said, you know, he said postseason, look, Gorin knows that all that really matters is finishing games. Yes. And Gorin is always going to be a position where he's gonna be in the final minutes of the game with the ball in his hands, either facilitating or taking a big shot or driving and attacking. Goran Dragic is gonna have a significant role in this team, but I do think it comes off the bench. And so we talking about earlier with Brian Flores and, and Chan Gailey and coaching that we're not there. Same thing, except this is about front office. I could tell you more so than I could tell you that I'm not an NFL coach, I am not Andy Ellisburg, yes. and I yes. don't know the ramifications of a cap like that man does. And if he makes moves with a lot of what you just said in mind, and even more than what you just said in mind, and where you can go in all kinds of directions with trades, with deals, with where you can sign a guy, whether a Bam takes that, that max now, whatever ends up happening, Andy ellisberg has got the idea. He has got the plan, and trust me, the Miami Heat are going to be in great position in the next year from now to the next offseason, and into the off season to get a superstar player. Whether that comes before the trade deadline, whether that comes then in the actual off season, whether it comes via a trade, a lot will depend on whether Bam signs at it, whether it'll be a signing in itself, all those different things, the Heat are in position. So if you look through everything we just said, they're still a good team. They certainly haven't fallen off. You can, again, you can argue and say they haven't gotten better. That's fine. I can accept. If you tell me the Heat haven't gotten significantly better or much better, I can, I can be fine with that. But they're still a contender. They're still going to be one of the better teams in the East with a shot to really get there at the end and be there at the finish line as they were last year. And they're still going to have flexibility. All while We say that all while Bam, Tyler, Duncan, Kendrick, all those guys are only going to get better. Yep. So yep. That, that's where I see things with the Heat.
1: Yeah, and it, to, to build on your point on Andy really quickly, Don't view the contract that they gave Myers Leonard as paying Myers Leonard nine plus million dollars Mm -hmm. for this season or 19 for the next two view it as Pat Riley used Mickey Harrison's money to buy a nine and a half or 18 million dollar asset. Because that contract, the only thing more valuable, by the way, in the NBA when you're talking about assets, the only thing more valuable than than draft picks and and young players on rookie contracts, young promising players, Mm -hmm. are expiring contracts. Absolutely. So what they did was they bought the ability to have Myers Leonard's expiring contract for not just one, but two years if they want to do that. So I understand why people see the money that Myers Leonard got. And they're like, oh, wait, why? I mean, this is a guy that felt like they bought an asset with his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing, Will, on this, giving Myers loan of that money did not keep you from getting anybody this off. You know, did you Serge see what Danilo Ibaka Gallinari got, the, you know, got the, you, from you, Atlanta? I mean, that,
0: you're talking ridiculous money. Some of the people, oh. but even like Serge Ibaka, for instance, one of the reasons he didn't stay in Toronto was because they didn't want to guarantee the second year. There you go. So it's the same thing. He wasn't going to get the Heat weren't going to compromise. Cap space in 2021 to bring Serge Ibaka over, if he was, if there was even interest there. And this is just, this is us just conversing. I don't even know if the Heat had interest in bringing Serge Ibaka over, or vice versa, if he even wanted to come here. Point being, it didn't matter if your name was Serge Ibaka, or whatever, or Paul Millsap. Insert any name you want in there. They weren't coming here for two years without flexibility, and it just wasn't going to happen. The Heat aren't going to give up a pursuit like we said, Giannis, Bradley Beal, whoever. Insert disgruntled superstar, whoever it is and they're in position where they didn't have to.
1: uh, Let's end on this thought. Are they done? Could they do more? They could, but it would require what you're talking about. It would require a star to ask out uh, because look, I look at this lineup and I look at a rotation and I can kind of envision mm-hmm. what SPO is going to do. I mean, if it were me, I'd go small. I mean, I, I think to me, and again, I think you hit on this earlier we, when you were talking about Gorin. Didn't,
0: we, we didn't even mention their draft pick. No, I mean, no, I, Chua, you know, I, I, who, who I, looks like, again, he's probably a little raw. He, I don't know if you expect everything right away, but between him and then the development, hopefully, of Casey Akpala, he'd yes. have a couple of young guys that they feel could be rotational players this year.
1: I, I mean, and, and I think you hit the element head earlier when you said, you know, it's not. Who you start with, it's who you finish with. Well, I can see a death lineup for the Heat that features either Hero or Drogic, Avery ba- Bradley, uh, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, and and Bam Adebayo, mm-hmm. and you know you you go small. How do you counter that lineup if you're a team? Fa- so, yes, they can will, and I think that's what what Pat Riley told us up front. He said, I want to run it back, but I also want to maintain flexibility in case something pops, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. And and you do. Jay Crowder did the right thing. Good for him. Good go for get him. your money go while get you the can. Money.
0: I, I'm all Jay. Jay re- resurrected his career here. Came over here, bought into the Heat culture. Was a huge reason why they made a finals push. And while they won the Eastern Conference, go get paid, man. Got your 30 million, yes. 29, 30 million, whatever. It is. I'm happy for Jay. Uh, but but I'm Riley happy, stuck to his plan. He did, and I'm happy for the core that they have here again. Precious true. who we mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Casey Okpala, who I just referenced now, is a young guy that they really feel is gonna continue to develop. The Heat have a lot of nice pieces, a lot of nice pieces. Yes, the offseason isn't over, but I think I agree with you. This is probably the team that will go into training camp, which, by the way, at about a week from now, Oh, nuts, <laughs> uh, and that will start the season right around Christmas. So Miami Heat making the moves. Uh, Dolphins hoping to bounce back. Tua Tagovailoa is still the starter. Don't worry about that. Uh, let's hope he remains that. And the only reason we see Ryan Fitzpatrick is maybe in mop for full. that. That would be the nice thing. That's your Miami Sports Pod. We appreciate you listening and subscribing.